That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, the summit gets underway in Hanoi. Will there be uh, something substantive happen this time in terms of North Korea giving up its nuclear arsenal? Hello, everybody. All eyes on Hanoi and all eyes on Washington, D.C., And the testimony of Michael Cohen, which starts today behind closed doors in the Senate Intelligence Committee. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, February 26. Lots and lots going on. That's why we're here with you to bring you up to date on all the news of the day and give you a chance to sound off about it. We've got our eyes again on the summit, second summit between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, this one in Hanoi. We've got our eyes on the United States Capitol. Two big things happening today. Michael Cohen, yes, will testify behind closed doors, but you know there'll be lots of leaks for the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, He is expected to make some news even behind closed doors, and people say to say things that will make our heads spin about what went on inside the Trump operation, the Trump empire. And at the same time, the House today is going to vote to um, on President Trump's emergency declaration, yes or no. It's going to be an overwhelming no. The big question is how many Republicans will join Democrats in calling this what it is, an end run around Congress, a total unconstitutional effort to uh, build up the power of the executive and weaken, if not destroy, the power of the Congress. It is a constitutional issue that has nothing to do with the wall. All of that you're going to want to talk about, you're going to want to comment on, you know how to do it. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Get ready. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, Bill, you and I agree... Yes. That there really is no better way to travel than Amtrak. 
Uh, well, unless you're in Oregon in a snowstorm. That's exactly <laughs> where I'm going. All right. There was a train leaving Oregon going to Los Angeles. And because there's a lot of snow up in that area right now. And there was a downed tree on the tracks. 183 passengers were stranded on an Amtrak train for more than 24 hours. Now They ran out of food. Yeah, provisions yeah. are pretty tight yeah. on the Amtrak train as it is, right? Yeah. There's not a yeah. lot to choose no. from. But if you're stuck on there for 24 hours, there are only so many hot dogs they can serve you, Bill. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I would have had, man, every last hot dog they had. Yeah, right? Uh, they said that because of the heavy snow and the debris on the tracks, they got stuck in an area which is about 45 miles uh, southeast of Eugene, Oregon. Uh, they were stuck. They were stuck. So just seems like it's a great way to travel, and 99.9% .9 of the time it is, but then you get stories like this. No. Uh, you know, we have family. One of our sons lives in Bend, Oregon. Sent the yep. photos yesterday. Uh, you cannot believe how much snow. Really? So just in their little uh, table on their deck, he, he had a, 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 a ruler, you know, and by 8 o'clock yesterday morning, it was well over a foot. Oh, geez. And by the end of the afternoon, it was over two feet. Oh, my God. And they're supposed to have that much snow every day this week. Holy cow, really? Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Uh, well, you know, uh, in other news, Elon Musk really should just learn to be quiet because he got in all this trouble for some of his tweets before. Well, last week he tweeted, Tesla made zero cars in 2011, but will make 500,000 in 2019. Well, the SEC now says that Elon Musk violated his fraud settlement with that tweet because, oh. he, you know, he's no longer able to serve as a... Uh, uh, in charge of Tesla, and so they're saying that he is now sharing information publicly. It's something that he was told he could not do, but he did it anyway, and now the SEC is investigating him. Just this, be quiet. This guy is, you know, he is a troublemaker. This is the Bill Press Show. Well, what do you know? Yet one warm woman accuses Donald Trump of sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah, this is the first one who's made that charge since Donald Trump became a presidential candidate. Are we surprised? No. Do we believe her? You bet. Hey, hello, everybody. Here we go. It's a Tuesday, February 26th, the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. You know the drill. We'll tell you what's going on. You tell us what it all means to you and to your family and to your community by sending us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. As we join you all across this great land of ours online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, where you also find our podcast every day. More and more people Turning to the podcast, podcasts are the happening thing, as you know, uh, so make sure you um, have us on your list of your favorite podcasts, and don't forget to sign up when you go to BillPressShow.com or iHeartRadio or wherever you find your podcast. Uh, and we're with you on the radio, statewide in Indiana, on Indiana Talks, 
And on WCPT, don't forget to get out and vote today. All of you in Chicago, big mayoral election uh, to who succeeds Rahm Emanuel. There's so many candidates there, it's going to be hard to choose. Almost as many candidates running for mayor of Chicago as there are running for president among the, uh, uh, the Democratic Party in 2020. And we're also with you on television on the great Free Speech TV, America's only progressive cable television channel as part of the Direct TV network. So much to talk about. And don't forget, you get your say by sending us your comments on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Yes, indeed. The president arrives. Uh, if I read the White House schedule directly, um, there's a 12-hour difference to Hanoi, so it's kind of hard to keep track of what's going on where. Uh, but uh, I looked at his schedule this morning, and he arrives at 9 p.m. this evening, East Coast time. As I read the schedule, <laughs> I say I'm a little uncertain because calculating to Hanoi uh, and yesterday, before he left the White House, uh, Donald Trump met with um, a group of the nation's governors who, who are in town for the National Governors Association, had been there the night before for the governor's ball. Uh, and the president said, uh, this is going to be a very uh, successful meeting. Uh, we've got the president uh, telling, telling the governors, uh, here's what we can expect. And we talk about something that, frankly, uh, he never spoke to anybody about. But we're speaking, and we're speaking aloud, and I think we can have a very good, a very good summit. Just rambling. Yeah, doesn't say anything actually. Uh, they're going to have a very good summit. Well, as Joe Cirincione told us yesterday, uh, we know what the signs of a very good summit will be: something substantive happening uh, on our side, a willingness to relax the sanctions in response for on their side hopefully, um, a pledge to destroy the um, factory or the installation that makes plutonium, that makes the bomb-producing um, element uh, that they need to, to, to make these, uh, to make more, any more nuclear bombs. That's what we want them to do. If they agree to that, we agree to the sanctions. It will be a successful summit. If it's just another photo op, it's a wasted trip. Uh, while he was there with the governors, uh, Donald Trump also spoke about his wall. <laughs> Notice how it is a, uh, it, it, it's sort of, every time he talks about the wall, it, it changes. It's a different shape. If it's a different, if it's a different height, uh, it has a different purpose. It's even a different length. We know the campaign was, the campaign promise was a concrete wall, the entire length of of the Mexican border. From sea to shining sea. Sea to shining sea, of course, paid for by Mexico. Well, now it's no longer paid for by Mexico. He wants it paid for by you and me. It's not going to be a concrete wall. He says it could be just some concrete, some uh, metal, metal slats. And now he's even saying, I never said it was going to be from sea to shining sea. We're going to be pretty soon having well over a couple of hundred miles of wall up. <laughs> uh, we don't have to go 2,000. We never planned on going 2,000. They're already 200 miles of wall or of some, you know, some kind of uh, border protection, whether it's a fence or slats or whatever. I mean, he, you know, I, so, I, I hear that clip and I think about how he wrote The Art of the Deal. Right. And I also think that, like, 
there's a lesson here for Democrats, right? Because yeah, and, and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like what he did was appropriate or smart or savvy or anything like that. But he asked for the like the moon, right? He asked for a whole lot, and at the end of the day, it looks like he's going to get some of what he wanted. Which is all he wanted in the first. Which place. is all he wanted in the first place. Right. So I next mean, the time, lesson for Democrats if you is, start in the middle, you, you're not going to get what you want. The lesson for Democrats is: you give him any little thing, and he'll declare it a victory. And absolutely. Move on. Right. Absolutely. So don't listen to all the threats. Don't listen to all that the, the the BS. Right. I mean, even look at the shutdown. Yeah, he did shut down the government for 35 days. What did he get for it? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Right. Right. He can move the goalpost better than anybody else in politics. Totally. Totally. Uh, as we, um, uh, you know, as as, <laughs> as we talked again with Joe Cianciotti from the Plasios Fund yesterday, it's like the summit moving the goalpost, where before it was they have to destroy all their nuclear weapons so there'll be no more nuclear weapons on the Korean Peninsula. Now the president is saying as long as they don't test any, that's a success. That's, that's all he wants. As long as they don't test. They can keep all the nuclear weapons. They can build any more as long as they don't test any. Talk about moving the goalposts. Uh, and by the way, back to the wall, the president did say the difference between what other, what little bit of wall that he's going to add, maybe, maybe, we'll get to that in just a second, uh, is gone. here's the difference, man. It's going to be one of the great wonders of the world. Previous administrations, when they did little walls, they built them so badly, so badly, so unattractive, oh. so I wouldn't oh. want them in my no. backyard. no. Mm-hmm. And the new one is incredible looking. It's a piece of art. A piece of art. Yes. Tourists are going to be flocking to this Donald Trump's wall to take pictures of the wall because it's going to be so beautiful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> it's so gross. At any rate, uh, yes, on the wall, which the president uh, says he's going to build on his own because Congress refused to give him money for his wall, uh, he's going to do so through this emergency declaration, which he signed a couple of weeks, uh, d- declared a couple of weeks ago. Uh, today comes the test in the Congress where the House uh, is going to vote on a resolution introduced by Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, which says, which opposes, overturns the president's emergency declaration. Pardon me, you know every single Democrat, pardon me, is going to vote for it. It will pass the House. Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader, is scrambling as fast as he can uh, to hold back a flood of Republicans from voting for it. There will definitely be some Republican votes. Um, They know they can't win. They just want to keep the vote total as low as they can, not to embarrass the president. What a waste of time. Um, Think about what you just said. Think about what you just said. When you think about these people are elected to do. That's what they're doing. To get things done. And they really are. No. Just providing cover to the president. To they've turned their, they've turned their job into how can we uh, make sure as few Republicans vote against the president as possible. When in, fact, when, in fact, what the president is doing is gutting the powers of the United States Congress, which it, what the president is doing is stabbing them in the back. And they are not only rolling over for it, they are joining him in trying to fight anybody from standing up for the powers of the Congress. Uh, Speaker Pelosi yesterday, I thought, made an excellent point about what this is all about. As she says, this vote 
has nothing to do with the wall. This is not about the wall. Whatever you may think about the wall, think about the Constitution of the United States. Yes, that's what this is about. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution gives the power of the purse to Congress alone. The president cannot, and no president ever has, steal money from somewhere else to pay for a project, a pet project, that Congress has refused and refused and refused to put up the money for because they do not support it. I repeat, the Congress for two years, totally controlled by the Republicans, never gave Donald Trump the money for his wall. The Republican Party, Republican members of the House and Senate, never gave Donald Trump money for his wall because they know it's not necessary. Uh, they know it's a waste of money. Uh, and and now, of course, with the Democrats in control of the House, he's even less likely to get money for the wall. He cannot steal money from somewhere else to build it. That's what the Constitution says. Uh, and as Speaker Pelosi said, well, so let's, uh, if Donald Trump doesn't uh, understand that about the Constitution, or there may be some Americans that don't, this is a teaching moment. This is an historic moment for our country. Perhaps it gives us the atten- affords us the opportunity to have an all-American civics lesson about the Constitution of the United States. I like that. Yeah. I think it's great. Now, uh, let's be clear. Donald Trump is not capable of learning anything. That's But true. it's good to illustrate to everybody else how this should work. Right. And then, by the way, and we talked about this yesterday, and let's clarify, this resolution, which will pass the House, does go to the Senate, and because of the rules of the Senate, this kind of a resolution must be, Harry, uh, (laughs) Harry, yeah, I wish, Mitch McConnell cannot block it. He cannot refuse to allow it for a vote on the floor. He can delay it, but only for 18 days. This resolution must be voted on in the Senate as well within 18 days. Okay, that means, and by majority vote. There are 47 Democrats. They need four Republicans. So far, they have, Susan Collins has said she's going to vote no, meaning yes for the resolution. (laughs) She's going to vote against the emergency declaration. Lisa Murkowski has said she is going to vote for the resolution with the Democrats. Okay, we're up to 49. Yesterday, surprise, Tom Tillis from North Carolina, as conservative as you can get, said he is going to vote with the Democrats against the president. And here's what he said, quote, as a U.S. senator, I cannot justify providing the executive with more ways to bypass Congress. He gets it. That's what it's all about. He continues, as a conservative, I cannot endorse a precedent that I know future left-wing presidents will exploit to advance radical policies that will erode economic and individual freedoms. Now, he's got to throw that little partisan thing in there. But that's fine. That's what conservatives are afraid of. And you know what? He's right. Damn right. If Trump does this, future presidents will say, hey, I can use the emergency declaration for any vanity project that I want, that he or she wants in the future. Right. So Tillis has got it right. But my point is, that's 50. Need one more. And boy, you know what? 
there is one more Republican. I mean, Lamar Alexander, many Republicans have said they don't like this declaration. Uh, Mitch McConnell said it at one time. Now he said he supports it. But all, all, all I need is one more vote in the Senate. And this, this uh, resolution opposing the emergency declaration will go to Donald Trump, who will, of course, veto it. Let him veto it. Let him veto it. I hope they can override the veto. Unlikely. They can. We're all better off. But even if he vetoes it and they can't override it, we're all better off because it just proves again, shows to the American people, the one person who is responsible for the shutdown, now responsible for this emergency declaration, and now responsible for undermining the Congress. And then it's going to go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will have a case where the United States Congress is on the side of all the states that have filed lawsuits against this emergency declaration. So things are going in the right direction uh, on, on, that, on that front. Uh, meanwhile, the last thing that uh, Donald Trump wants while he is in Hanoi is any news about um, <clears throat> his troubles with Robert Mueller and the U.S. Uh, the U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York and the New York Attorney General. But that's all going to be front and center because of Michael Cohen, the former um, president's former personal lawyer and fixer, who begins today. He's got three days of testimony in Congress uh, today in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee behind closed doors. Tomorrow uh, and Thursday, it's going to be the House Intelligence Committee and the House Oversight Committee, uh, both in public. Uh, so we'll be hearing a lot from Michael Cohen. Uh, and yesterday, more bad news for Donald Trump on um, the sexual harassment front, a woman by the name of uh, Ava Johnson, right? Ava Johnson. Alva Johnson. Alva, Alva Johnson. Johnson, sorry, Alva Johnson, who um, she was a campaign staffer in 2016, uh, working on the campaign down in Florida. Uh, she came forward yesterday in the Washington Post to say that uh, as a campaign staffer, she was a uh, uh, with Donald Trump in, in, in an RV outside of a rally uh, down in Florida. He was signing copies of the poster, of posters, and um, as he left the RV, he took her hand and then leaned over without asking her and tried to plant a great big fat wet kiss on her lips. She didn't see it coming. She turned her head, she says. He got her on the side of the mouth, but it was an unwanted and unwelcome kiss. Um, she says, quote, I immediately felt violated because I wasn't expecting it or wanting it. I can still see his lips coming straight for my face. Uh, so what are we supposed to think about this? Should we believe her? <laughs> Damn straight. Absolutely. Remember, remember. Why should we believe this? Well, first of all, she is, I think now this is 21 women who have accused him of sexual assault or harassment. Um, this is the same man, by the way, who told, who said on the Access Hollywood tape, quote, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful women. I just start kissing them. That was that was the line that stuck out to me. Yeah, because he's he's on the ta he's on the bus with Billy Bush, right? And he says, "I should put in some Tic Tacs in case I just start kissing her." Mm -hmm. I just sometimes I just yeah. I gravitate. Yeah. I just start start kissing him right away. I which is just what, start 
kissing them. Which is what Alva uh, Johnson, Johnson, this says, woman that, that, that's accusing yeah. him, says exactly what happened. And he explained to Billy Bush, we remember the tape, that he didn't ask first. He just planted, tried to pl- planted a kiss on them, and of course then he grabbed their crotch. Right? I mean, that was, Well, when you're you know, famous, you can do anything. Because when you're famous, you can, you can do anything. Uh, so um, believe her, absolutely. Will anything happen? Of course not. The Republicans have already given Donald Trump a pass, sadly, on any uh, accusations of sexual harassment. They call they he calls all the women liars. Uh, they agree with him. Uh, we always play this game, and we shouldn't. But I, I just, just just think about this. Just think about what Republicans would be saying today if somebody made that accusation against Cory Booker or Julian Castro or. Barack Obama, name it, Bernie Sanders. I mean, just imagine any Democrat uh, with the same with the same woman coming forward with the same the same accusations. It would have been, you know, he's got to retire. We got to impeach him. He's got to resign. This is the worst thing that ever happened. How can he be in public office? Donald Trump, uh, look the other way. That's how low we have sunk. Right, the American people. For the most part, even the media is not going to make a big deal about this. Imagine. CNN would be holding, all, all the networks, Fox particularly, would be wall-to-wall with that story if it were Cory Booker. Yeah, you know, th- th- this story, I think, really Have highlights. Have you seen it anywhere else today, by the way? I haven't seen it. I've been it got it. very, very little coverage. No. Uh, and, you know, th- this, I think, really highlights just how sick we are as a country uh, with this stuff because – even even I, when I read that story, I was I thought to myself, this story is not going to matter in terms of how people view Donald Trump, right? right. And it's yeah. it's embarrassing that, that that's where we are when a woman comes forward with a story like this. That my first instinct is, oh man, well, it, it, her story is worthy of being told, certainly, but this isn't going to matter at all. No. This isn't going to matter at all, and it's not. I I hate to agree, but you're right. No, I mean we've seen this. Anything, Donald Trump is sunk so low, he can say or do anything, and get away with it, for now at any rate. Uh, Donald Trump didn't talk about this yesterday, maybe because he was too busy attacking Harry Reid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Harry Reid's been. Out of office for over two years. He's suffering from pancreatic cancer. He gave an interview to CNN. Clearly, he's not a fan of Donald Trump's. We know that. Clearly. I mean, yeah, right? He has called him amoral. Hello. It's a good word for Donald Trump. Um, he gave a little uh, interview with Dana Bash from CNN where he said, in, in hindsight, I wish every day for a George Bush again. I think that he and I had our differences, but no one ever questioned his patriotism. Is there anything that I think President Trump is doing right? I just have trouble accepting him as a person, and so, frankly, I don't see anything he's doing right, said Harry Reid. Okay. I disagree with that statement, but but okay. I think George W. Bush was a million times worse president than Donald Trump, but that's okay. We can disagree on that. But at any rate, so Harry 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 Reid out in Nevada gives an interview, right? Not surprising, right? Right. 
By the way, there's nothing really like personal and nasty and mean here. But Donald Trump turns around, right, and says, oh, Harry Reid, who was thrown out of office, is just trying to put a good spin on a failed career. I might thrown point out. Thrown out of office? He was not thrown out of office. He chose not to run again. The guy served for a million years. Right. He, he retired. was not thrown out. Of, he retired. And also, failed career? Yeah, he went from being growing up in poverty in what Searchlight, Nevada, right? It's a smaller town that I grew up in, Searchlight, Nevada, right? I mean, I don't think there's even one stoplight in Searchlight, Nevada. And he made it all the way up to the top of the Democratic Party in Nevada, the United States senator and the leader of the United States Senate for several years. I mean, that's hardly a failed career. But, you know, again, Donald Trump can't stand any criticism. Um, Got to go after it. Um, did you see about the Oscars? They had a pretty good night, by I the way. I was going to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. $29.6 It's a significant jump from last year. Up 12% over last That's year. It's a big deal. But you know what? It is still the second lowest audience in the history of the Oscars. Well, they're going in the right direction. Yeah. Let's put it that but they way. They sunk so low last year. <laughs> yeah. But now they are they're now they're starting to come back. And okay, and one other story which just really pisses me off, and that is you know, um you know I'm a I it's twenty sixteen. I haven't endorsed anybody yet in twenty twenty, but I'm still a Bernie bro. I supported Bernie in twenty sixteen. I'm glad I did. Then I supported Hillary, of course, and the primary support of Bernie because I thought we needed those progressive ideas put out there, and only Bernie could do it, and he did, and he reshaped and reinvigorated the Democratic Party, as we saw with picking up, with his message, 40 seats in the House of Representatives last year. Um, so thank God Bernie ran and, uh, and that he's there as a powerful progressive figure in the Democratic Party, but there are some people particularly Clinton staffers who just can't accept Bernie. And they resurfaced again yesterday. After, By the way, so, uh, and when uh, Eugene Scott was with us yesterday, we didn't have the latest numbers. You know, Bernie's now, uh, as of yesterday, less than a week after he announced, he has picked up $10 million in small donor contributions around the country, $10 million, far surpassing anybody else. And what's interesting about that is that a big percentage of them are from 39% of the donors that have given, this is looking for that in the New York Times here this morning, 39% of those who have made contributions, small contributions to Bernie this time were not on his list from 2016. These are all new donors that have come around this time still for Bernie Sanders. So the idea that he's got a base that used to support him and may or may not support him anymore, but he's not going to pick up any new people, all the new people are going to go with Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris or whomever, uh-uh, not true. 39% of, his, of the donors so far are totally new people to Bernie Sanders. At any rate, back to the Clinton staffers, when Bernie came out, of course, he talked about climate change. That's always been a big, uh, a big issue of his, a big priority of his. It was in 2016. It has been since. It will be in 2020. Uh, and believe it or not, some Clinton staffers said, what a phony baloney. Bernie Sanders talked about 
2016, I mean, he talked about climate change when he announced for president, and yet when he was out there campaigning for Hillary, uh, he wanted the use of and wanted the campaign, flying around the country as Hillary wanted him to, going everywhere in the country to support her, that he asked them to provide him on several occasions with private planes. And they say that may, means he's phony because he talks about climate change, but he still takes private planes. Uh, I guess what? Instead of walking? This is so outrageous for them to make this point. Again, get it. He loses. So he, she gets the nomination. He doesn't. She, He supports her right away. She asks him to fly all over the country. By the way, this is not Hillary. I want to make that point. This is not Hillary. These are low-level staffers. But there are six of them that went to Politico uh, and, ma and made this complaint. Um, but again, she asked him to go everywhere he could in the country. He did nonstop campaigning for Hillary. What was he supposed to do, walk or ride his bicycle? I mean, this is just, of course, I mean, in campaigns, people fly around in private jets. They all do. Republicans, Democrats, the nominee. And your top surrogates. And by the way, he did that, according, I was just reading the article, on three occasions. Otherwise, he took commercial. And they said it cost him at least $100,000. $100,000 out of a billion-dollar campaign? Right. These are just poor losers, these Clinton people who still blame Bernie for everything. They cannot accept the fact uh, that Bernie was such a strong candidate, but the candidate that was so popular, and they can't accept the fact that Hillary ran a lousy campaign and lost. I, I want to read this quote uh, from Michael Briggs. Who, Michael Briggs. Who's been on the show. Many uh, times, and our good friend. Our, yeah. Uh, he, was Bernie's press secretary at the time. Yes. He commented on this, and he says, quote, You can see why she's <laughs> one of the most disliked politicians in America. She's not nice. Her people are not nice. Sanders busted his tail to fly all over the country to talk about why it made sense to elect Hillary Clinton, and and the thanks that we get is this kind of petty, stupid sniping a couple of years after the fact. It doesn't make me feel good to feel this way, but they are some of the biggest a-holes, <laughs> uncensored, in American politics, end yeah. quote. I mean, one of the guys who, who spoke is quoted here by, uh, named by Politico, a guy named Zach Petconis, I've never heard of him before. Don't know him. Yeah, who's who came out with his criticism of Bernie yesterday? Again, the only difference I might have with Michael Briggs, I want to believe that Hillary knows nothing about this, would not say this, did not did not authorize this. They did not know she did not know they were going to do this. I certainly hope that's the case. I believe that's the case. But these are the biggest a holes in American politics, absolutely. And so last night. Um, our guest last week from the Progressive Change Campaign Committee, the PCCC, uh, Adam Green, the founder of it, and it's a great organization. They've done great, great, great stuff. He was on Tucker last night talking about these charges against Bernie and how silly it was. <laughs> and Adam Green <laughs> makes the point, what did you do, expect uh, Bernie Sanders to walk to Vermont? And Tucker says, of course, Yes, if he really believes in climate change, he should walk there for months. It's kind of hard to follow this exchange, but here's, here's how silly it gets. Of course he should spend the last few days of a campaign doing everything he can to fight no, for a Green New Deal. No, you and should reduce your in those own values. emissions. No, it's really simple. You, so you should, should walk to work your own emissions. Should he walk from you Vermont should live, to Yes, yes. Should he walk from you Vermont should live by the standards. 
You just no, said yes, you should, should walk live from Vermont to D.C.? I'm not that shows I'm the saying BS that argument that you take... just described. <laughs> yeah. Walk to Vermont, yeah. Walk to California. I mean, it's kind of... Uh, Maybe somebody should have walked to Wisconsin to campaign. Yeah. Let me tell you. You can still be for climate change and uh, take an airplane, okay? Just want, just want to make that point. It is not necessarily a contradiction. Mm-hmm. You're attending the Paris Summit on Climate Change to put the United States on the record with all the other nations of the world. you got to walk there. Or swim, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, you believe these Clinton staffers. All right, a quick break. When we come back, Amanda Becker joins us from uh, Thomson Reuters. Uh, all about what Congress may be up to today and a little look at 2020 as well. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, it's good to have you with us on this Tuesday, February 26th, the Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome to the program. Great to see you, whether you're joining us online, on the radio, or on television. We are coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our studio in Capitol Hill. And brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. We used to call them the retail clerks, members of the UFCW under the leadership of uh, President Mark Perrone. Proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families. Those people who staff our uh, great retail grocery chains all across the country. Check out their website at UFCW.org. Join me in welcoming to the studio from Thompson Reuters covering uh, Congress and the 2020 campaign, uh, Amanda Becker. Amanda, it's good to see you. Good to have Thanks. Good to have be here. <laughs> it's early. Good to be here. It is early. It's right. early. I'm still struggling a little bit. Yeah, thanks for coming in. We got uh, started a little before you here uh, with the, the uh, going hopscotching over there, the, just the headlines of the last uh, half hour with the Comments generated already, Peter? Yes, indeed. Let's start with Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Right now, we do have a poll running. Uh, Will uh, anything productive come from the Trump-Kim summit? Uh, we ask you yes, no, or undecided. Uh, as of now, uh, 90% of you say no. <laughs> We're a little biased. Our audience is a little biased. Uh, 7% of you say yes. 3% of you uh, are undecided. Uh, Buck Cho on Twitter says, uh, yes, I do expect something to happen, something productive, but they will be bad things. Uh, yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, Phil says, Trump isn't stabbing Congress in the back. He, This is about the national uh-huh. emergency. Trump isn't stabbing Congress in the back. He has always coveted power and is blatantly trying to seize it. That stabbing Congress in the eye after warning everybody that he would. Well, that's a good point. This is not such a subtle... Um attempt to wrest power away from the Congress um, and more to the executive. Yeah. If you have any comments, by the way, on any topic at any time, just find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, you know, um, uh, Amanda, just starting there for a second um, and playing a clip that we played a little bit earlier from um, the speaker who pointed out yesterday that um, – People may want to make this a vote for or against the wall, that that's not what the issue, that's not the issue at stake here. Here's Speaker Pelosi. This is not about the wall. Whatever you may think about the wall, think about the Constitution of the United States. That's the issue, and that's the issue that several conservatives, Republicans, maybe even some who haven't indicated how they're going to vote yet, 
in the House and the Senate have made, right? This gets down to presidential or congressional powers. Correct. I mean, as we were discussing just a minute ago, there are already three Republican senators who plan on voting with the Democrats on this. And I would assume that one of the reasons they will cite and any other Republican as the votes can happen this week um, would be this separation of powers, this constitutional issue. Right. Um, And they need, as we were talking, four, right? Right now, I believe they would be at a tie. Um, So, yes, they will need to get one more Republican in the Senate on board. With with three, they're at a tie. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Tom Tillis from uh, North Carolina yesterday who came forward surprised me because he has been one of the biggest Trumpers Mm -hmm. in the United States Senate. But he said yesterday, quote, as a I think he has an op ed in the Post or the Times this morning. I think it's the Post this morning. yeah. Yeah. Quote. As a U.S. senator, I cannot justify providing the executive with more ways to bypass Congress. Yes. I mean, if they're looking at the kind of their long term health as an institution and not just this issue right here, um, that's what Pelosi was saying this vote vote should be about, kind of the long term power, the long term status of the Congress. Right. um, Not just a vote about the wall. So um, if it's going to pass the House, right? I would assume so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we got that. Um, the question is, how many Republicans can Kevin McCarthy persuade not to vote for it, right? Or how many? How low can he keep the Republican vote? I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Um, with one more senator, they will be able to get it through the Senate, and I think that they, that will happen. Uh, if that happens, or I think there'll be more than one, but if it if that happens, and it goes to Donald Trump. He says he'll veto it. No doubt he will, right? Any prayer, any <laughs> hope that Congress could come up? It would, what it would take, two-thirds of each yeah, house? Yeah, for to get a veto-proof majority. I think that, that would be a high bar for them to clear right now. Um, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, as I was saying before, granted, I have, I have not covered Congress for decades, um, just kind of a decade probably altogether, but we're in uncharted territory here. Um, so I... I I wouldn't expect them to get two-thirds, but who knows? Right. But it would still make it pretty clear to the American people, right, that this is Donald Trump's show, right? I yeah. mean, with that that vote, if both houses of Congress oppose it, and we already have 16 states that have filed a lawsuit against mm-hmm. it, I think it would strengthen the case against it in the United States Supreme Court, where, it's, where this is probably Yeah, going. I mean, it certainly sends a strong message, even if they don't get to two-thirds, but pass this in both the House and the Senate and send it to the White House. Right. Um, on the 2020 front, one thing that has emerged, and you've been writing about, uh, we wanted to talk to you about, is um, small donors. So mm-hmm. let's start with, uh, I was just mentioning, uh, the New York Times reporting this morning. The champion for small donors started with um, Howard Dean. Mm-hmm. But Bernie Sanders is just taking it. And then Barack Obama. But mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders took it to a whole new level, $238 million right mm-hmm. last year. And so far in th- this cycle, less than a week, what was it, last Thursday he announced, I think it was? Was it Wednesday or Thursday of last week? It's been about a week. Just been, just yeah. not quite a week. $10 million, mm-hmm. what they're saying, the New York Times reporting this morning, which is Huge, mm-hmm. huge, as Bernie would say, right? Uh, and what the Times points out, too, is that so that's $10 million from 359,914 individual donors 
Here's the key. 39% of them are new donors to Bernie, not part of his old base. Because mm-hmm. they'd have the email addresses yeah. for everybody who gave before. Yes. Um, that's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Um, and you'll see this. We've seen this with every Democrat who's gotten into the race. They tout, you know, 24 hours in or 48 right. hours in Remember, what their fundraising total was. Kamala how Harris many got a million, was. right? Wasn't exactly. It? Yeah. Um, and so I would, I, you know, this is really going, going to be one of the early defining issues in the Democratic primary. Um, even though some of those are new do- donors to Bernie Sanders, I do think that he comes into this with the strength of the national profile he built in the 2016 sure, primary. Sure, yeah. Um, and that, you know, is one of the factors that has allowed him to raise that much money in such a short period of time. And all the others are going to be trying that. And some of them have said they're going to, like Bernie, Bernie has said strictly small donors, right? Mm-hmm. No PAC money, no corporate money. No, he's not going to spend time with big dinners or those cocktail parties that are traditionally part of the effort Mm -hmm. and have always been. How many candidates are joining him on the small donor platform, if you will? So you really have to get into the specifics of what each one has promised. So I think we're still at a point where every single Democrat who's declared – or at least kind of the, the the known candidates who have officially filed paperwork, has sworn off corporate PAC money. Hmm. Now, corporate PAC money is a kind of a, a paper tiger in presidential elections. It's it's not This is not the source of the consternation among Democratic primary voters about big money in politics. Uh, corporate PACs can give small figure amounts that don't you know sway much either way in a presidential primary. Um, they have also, for the most part, said that they would discourage a single candidate super PAC from working on their behalf. Now, these uh, super PACs are not supposed to be working in tandem with them. Um, that would be illegal coordination. But in reality, in the past, there's been you know a PAC dedicated to, for example, Jeb Bush um, in the 2016 yeah, Republican primary. A lot of money. That raised uh, hundreds of millions of do- dollars for him. Um in reality, in the past, these have worked really closely with candidates. The Democrats are saying we don't want them this time around. Um, some have gone a little bit farther. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren this week also said that, that they're not going to do fundraisers. They're not going to do, you know, pricey $2,000 a plate fundraisers. Um, other candidates are still doing those fundraisers. Gillibrand just had some in Silicon Valley. Uh, we'll see kind of how far they get pushed on that issue. But the people driving this issue in the Democratic primary are Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. All right. And Elizabeth Warren has gone just about as far as Bernie, right, in yes. terms of no pack, no— She said this week she's not even doing fundraisers. Right. It, what do they consider a um, uh, a big—I ch- mean, a, <laughs> a major donor? Over 200, over 500, over 1,000? Well, let's say— Bernie will take a contribution up to a thousand or I you know, I don't know, and they haven't laid out and she said she won't do fundraisers. She yeah, Elizabeth Warren, yeah. for example. I haven't seen her say I if I get a, a if check. I get a check for twenty five hundred dollars, someone submits online, I'm gonna return it. Right. Because um, that, you know, I guess if you have deep pockets in your mind, that's still a small donation. All right. So you mentioned uh Kirsten Gillibrand mm-hmm. has not sworn off any uh, she has sworn funded. off a single candidate super PAC. She has sworn off uh, corporate PAC money, but she was at fundraisers with with deep pocketed donors okay. within the past week. Uh, Cory Booker. 
Um, I would assume that he will be attending fundraisers as well. Um, we'll I mean, get wind of, the, wind of them sooner or later. But he has made we the same. We know that Cory Booker and Kirsten Gillibrand both have ties to Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not that that's illegal, but, I mean, that's been a major source of their support. Yes. And he, um, as well, though, has sworn off corporate PAC money, um, and he he does have a super PAC operating on his behalf that a donor started. And he told me um, a couple weeks ago in Iowa it was very frustrating um, that that corporate PAC, or not corporate PAC, but that super PAC is working for him because he doesn't want it. Doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. He could tell him to go away, couldn't he? Well, he has, I mean, essentially in public statements. But again, you know, legally they aren't supposed to be working with them, and he's not in this case. Um, so at the end of the day, they can't prevent a entity from forming to support them. Um, they they don't have really any say in that. Uh, so does this mean um, kind of the end of fat cats in the Democratic Party or the inf- end of the era of influence of fat cats in the Democratic Party? I don't think we're there quite yet. Uh, when I was reaching out to all the campaigns a couple of weeks ago to kind of find out how far they were going to take their promises, the one thing that None of the candidates, as far as I can tell, have really made a promise about our entities um, that are super PACs that are not specific to one candidate. So, for example, priorities. Um, priorities spent $200 million uh, to help Clinton in 2016. They stay neutral in the primary. I haven't, I haven't seen a candidate lay out how they would approach dealing with priorities and the money that they will have in a general election context. Is there any fear on the part of Democrats that um, they could be hurting their chances uh, in 2020 by a sort of, I'm just trying to think of there's a parallel phrase in warfare or sort of uh, like an unilateral withdrawal, right? That if they unilaterally withdraw from the corporate, the big money mm-hmm. race for big, 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 big money, the Republicans, you know, are going to take any corporate dollar that they can and yes. any great big fat check from Sheldon Adelson or well, whoever and the, and that Trump's they can. Trump's super PACs already are. Trump's yeah. super PAC yeah. has already raised yeah. Yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, any fear about that, that Democrats will be able to compete in a general election? Definitely. When I was talking to Democratic strategists a couple of weeks ago, they were saying there would be a lot of hand-wringing in Washington um, and, you know, worry about a candidate who would swear off all support, such as a candidate, as I was just saying a minute ago about priorities, that at this point in the primary, if a candidate was saying, even in the general, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to tell priorities not to help me um, or, you know, tell every single pack not to help me, that would create some worry because they are going to be going up against um, the presumed Republican nominee, Trump, who already has super PACs raising and spending money on his behalf. So the question is, could you raise you can certainly raise Bernie's proved a lot of money more than anybody ever thought from small small do- small donors, right? Can you raise enough from small donors to compete with somebody who's going after all the big bucks they can get? I don't know. We haven't we haven't seen that before. I mean, even though uh, former President Obama had great success with small donors, he also had a lot of deep pocketed donors. Um, and you know, a lot of these Democratic super PACs were originally formed <clears throat> to help him, and now they've you know become kind of permanent entities in the fundraising world. Uh, so you know, this is kind of untested. I think we'll see it play out over the Democratic primary, um, and it's anyone's guess kind of how this will, you know, grow in the general this trend. Uh, I was surprised to see from your reporting. Um, that uh, an issue that doesn't get talked about that much, except maybe every four years, 
Puerto Rico is has emerged as a key issue for Democratic candidates. Like they've got to take a stand for or against statehood. And that's not a controversial stand in the Democratic uh, primary field for the most part. What is different is we've seen two candidates uh, go to Puerto Rico this early. Uh, Castro was there as well as Elizabeth Warren. Um, I was talking the governors. Um, all of the governors were in D.C. Mm-hmm. over the past week for their conference. And I was talking to the governor of Puerto Rico and he was saying, you know, it's not enough to just say uh, we support the right for Puerto Rico to self-determine whether it should be a state or not. He was saying because now they're at the point where they have voted to become a state. And so he wants to hear an unequivocal yes or no answer. Um, so that's something that the candidates. This are is the have governor to- of Puerto Rico yes. is saying he wants mm-hmm. a, a yes or no. Yes. Supporting statehood on the part of every Democratic candidate. Yes. And the reason, part of the reason they're going to Puerto Rico is because they view, the uh, the Democratic candidates view uh, the Trump administration's response to the hurricane in Puerto Rico as kind of Trump's Katrina. And so I would expect the more candidates to go to Puerto Rico um, for that, that reason. Also because while Puerto Rican citizens cannot vote in the general election, they do vote in the Democratic primary and they're a force in the Democratic primary. And you also have the um, communities that are Puerto Rican in New York and Florida and elsewhere, which are also important states. And who do vote in the general election. Yeah. So Puerto Rico, I didn't realize that. They do not vote in the, cannot vote in the general election. Yes, but they can vote in the party nominating contests. Um, Which is important. Yes. Right. Well, but but again, they call it Trump's Katrina. You got to remember, though, it's an island, right? Surrounded Mm -hmm. by water. Yes. A lot of what, what big what was it phrase big water uh, with uh, with those turtles. Well, and you also the the he provides the contrast because while you have the governor saying I want to hear a yes or no on statehood, you know, supporting self determination is not enough. Uh, Trump is one of the few recent presidents who has said he's a you know straight up no on statehood because he's in this feud with the governor of San Juan in Puerto Rico. Um, the mayor of San Yeah, the, right, the yeah mayor. sorry, the yeah, mayor. Right. And um, uh, over his response to the hurricane, and, you know, they have had kind of public spats on several occasions. And so he has said, you know, I flat out don't support statehood. Right. Uh, and so, so far, we've had just two two of the candidates who said they're for statehood, or, uh, or so two have gone there? Two have gone to Puerto Rico um, in right. the early weeks of their campaign, which yeah. he was saying shows kind of their... I mm-hmm. guess, new prominence kind of in the Democratic primary. Um, Elizabeth Warren uh, did use kind of the self-determined language, self-determination language when she was there. Um, so I would be interested to see on a subsequent visit if she uh, words her. I'd be interested to see if all the candidates make it down there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Clinton went in 2016, and I believe Sanders did as well. Um, I was there for Clinton's visit, so that's why I remember that one. But um yeah, it, it is it is a stop kind of on the Democratic primary. Circuit. Okay, so you were hanging out at the National Governors Association this weekend. Um, did you talk to Jay Inslee? I did not. A colleague went on Saturday and spoke to Jay Inslee, who indicated. Well, she was not talking to him about Puerto Rico. She was no, no, no. But I'm not about, talking about oh, Puerto Rico. I'm moving he, on. No, well. yeah, no, no big announcements from him um, about whether he's going to run. Or but not. he indicated yeah. he's inclined yeah. to. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. John was Hickenlooper there. No, so he is not a current governor, so he was not there. I got it. Okay. But he's also still moving around. Still in the mix. Uh, looking in the mix. And the Super PAC 
uh, story that we were just talking about a minute ago, I would be interested to see when some of these governors, if and when they get into the primary, how they will handle that issue, because a lot of them already have uh, active super PACs operating on their behalf. Former Governor Terry McAuliffe. Was he there? No, no. I, I did not see him. He could have been there, but because he's a former, um, yeah. I don't know if he was there. Right. Um, but he certainly is making noises as well, yes. I guess. So out of that out of that group of governors, there's going to be at least one candidate. I would expect at least one current or former governor to get into the race. Right, yeah. Um, and uh, there may be others that we haven't have, haven't mentioned, but those, those three certainly are worth uh, mm-hmm. keeping track of. And Bullock. I, and Bullock, that's yeah. right, from Montana. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think I've been told a couple of them are holding off to see what Joe Biden's going to do uh, at any rate. Uh, that's worth, 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 worth watching. At Reuters.com, you can follow Amanda Becker. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show. Or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All eyes on Hanoi and the second summit with Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump, which gets underway tonight in Hanoi. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. Happy Tuesday, Tuesday, February 26th, The Bill Press Show. How about it? We are joining you wherever you are in this great land of ours, starting out at our studio, in our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. We got it covered, whatever's happening uh, at the uh, this end of Pennsylvania Avenue, just down the street from our studio, where the United States Congress will be voting today, in the House, rather, voting today on that uh, resolution to overturn Donald Trump's emergency declaration. Uh, that will be then going on to the Senate. It's going to pass the House today, going on to the Senate, uh, where uh, one more Republican senator yesterday said he will vote against it, Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Uh, Democrats need or only that resolution needs only one more Republican vote, as long as all 47 Democrats vote for it, which they will. Uh, and with one more Republican vote, it'll pass the Senate as well and head to the president's desk. He won't be happy to see it. So much going on. We're keeping our eye on that. And, of course, Donald Trump over in Hanoi. Oh, the other thing on the the congressional side I forgot to mention, uh, Michael Cohen showing up today for the first of three days of testimony. Uh, Today it will be behind closed doors for the Senate Intelligence Committee, but we know those doors always have big leaks in them, and we will find out. Uh, a lot about what he tells senators today. So much to talk about. That's why it's good to have you with us. And we look forward to hearing from you and your thoughts about the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, 
at BP Show. We'll dive right in with the help of Adele Stan from Right Right <laughs> Right Wing Rot Watch. <laughs> you almost got it. It is Right Wing Watch. Bingo. Boy, don't say that too fast. I can't even say it slow. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Bill, you know I love a good beer. Uh-huh. And I also like cereal. So why not put the two together? Well, that is what Smart Mouth Beer out of Norfolk, Virginia is doing. They are releasing what they are calling a Saturday morning marshmallow IPA. It is an IPA that they are brewing with Lucky Charms. Now, Lucky Charms, you know, they have those little fake yeah, marshmallows in them. They're going to put that into the mix so that it's going to taste like that. They also said they're brewing it with Calypso hops, which are known for their tropical fruity taste. And Smart Mouth Beer says the beer, the result of the beer is, to use a phrase from Lucky Charms, magically delicious. This sounds terrible. It sounds horrible. Yeah. No, I don't need this in my life. No, no. Yeah, uh, I'll just take a regular old beer. Is it? Or a bowl of cereal. Right. Or you can just make a bowl of cereal and instead of milk, just pour beer onto it. Is it supposed to be a breakfast food? Well, look, well, it wouldn't be the first time I had beer for breakfast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't right. think it's a good idea. I come up from a family where beer for breakfast was not that unusual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, if that sounds a little scary, this should absolutely scare the crap out of you. NASA says that there is an iceberg about twice the size of New York City that is about to break off of the Antarctic shelf. Now, they've Whoa. been observing this for about 20 years now, this particular uh, uh, shelf area. Uh, and it's called the Brunt Ice Shelf. It was captured back in 1986 uh, with aerial views. And, of course, now it's only gotten better in that amount of time. So uh, they have seen a large crack visible on one end of the shelf. There's another crack visible on the other end of the shelf. Mm. And they keep getting bigger. And they're going to meet in the middle at some point, which means the entire thing is going to break off. That's bad news. Oh, yeah. I would say the cruise ship's... Should uh, stay away from that area. Right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't need another Titanic. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, uh, a dual screen today with uh, Donald Trump in Hanoi and Michael Cohen on Capitol Hill. Oh, boy. Uh, and you know Donald Trump from Hanoi is going to be talking about whatever Michael Cohen tells members of the Senate today. Hey, hello, everybody. Here we go. The Bill Press Show, Tuesday, February 26. How about it? Great to see you. Welcome to the program as we join you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. We start out here, but we end up wherever you are in this great land of ours, uh, joining you online, on the radio, and on television, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, where you also find our podcast uh, all day long and over the weekends as well. Um, we join you on the radio on the great WCPT uh, don't forget, take time out to vote today, the big mayoral election in Chicago. We'll see how that goes. And we uh, welcome all of our friends from WCPT in Chicago 
and the greater Chicago area, and also joining you on Free Speech TV, the nation's only progressive television channel, all part of the DirecTV network. And so, again, online, on the radio, on television, welcome, welcome, and we welcome. Joining us as a friend of Bill for this hour, uh, Adele Stan is the research director for Right Wing Watch, uh, joining us back in the studio. Adele, good to see you. It's great to be back. Are you excited about Michael Cohen's testimony? Oh, huh? my, yes. And, you know, it, it should be just, uh, I think, well, it's going to be the fodder for a million late-night bits, right? I mean, just his accent alone, having the kind of the classic New York gangsterish kind of accent that he has. There's going to be the presentation aspect of it. But there's also going to be details we're going to get about how Trump behaves, towards his subordinates, towards his contractors, towards his family. I think that we're going to hear some stuff. Yeah, the word seems to be that he's going to be talking about the Trump business side of things, Mm -hmm. right? And how they made deals and, again, how he treated his staff and how he basically operated. Uh, And we're told by his attorneys that he's going to say some things that that he's not said yet, Right. right? Right. And it's going to be pretty stunning stuff. Yeah, well, let's see if it lives up to the billing. I mean, you know, it's going to be kind of, um, even though it's focusing on the business aspect and not the quote-unquote politics aspect of things, uh, it's important to remember that in Trump world, all of these things flow together, right? There's really literally no separation between the foundation and the campaign and the Trump organization, which is the umbrella term for all of his businesses. So... Anything that Cohen has to say about any of it informs the rest of it. And I think that's going to be really intriguing to watch. And certainly Michael Cohen has nothing to lose, right? He's convicted. He's going to jail. Yeah, he's convicted. He's going to jail. He's not going to get a pardon. Right, obviously. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so why hold back? Right, right. right. I mean, I mean, the only possible reason is, you know, threats on his life, which, you know, could could happen in a circumstance like this because of, you know, if only the Trump base is so riled up about this investigation and it has been, you know, uh, trained, brainwashed, uh, re-educated to believe that the whole uh, investigation is a witch hunt. So we shall see. The only reason for holding back, I guess, would be to hold some stuff back for his book. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that there's a point there, right? He, he's he's only locked up for three years. If he gets out on good behavior, maybe two years. Yeah, you know. And he can... He'll have time on his hands. He'll, yes, he will, won't he? As long as, <laughs> <laughs> as long as they'll give him pen and paper, right? Mm, or yeah, but you know, I mean, it's such a, a, it's like a screenplay, but you just don't know what the plot is. You know what I mean? It, I mean, totally. It, it, yeah. It's it's uh, you know, hey, are there are there. Uh, friends of Trump on the inside. I mean, there's just, there's just like so much that you can uh, speculate about the situation. But yes, it'll be very interesting. And, you know, he's going to be making these statements to Congress right ahead of uh, the Conservative Political Action Conference, which will give those folks a lot to talk about that is perhaps not in their messaging box, you know. Uh, Right. Uh, The Conservative Political Action Committee, CPAC, Mm -hmm. uh, as we call it, meets this week uh, in uh, in, uh, across the river here at the National Harbor. Um, Nikki Schwab, who covers the White House for the New York Post, is going to be joining us uh, in about 20 minutes. 
uh, and give us a little preview of uh, oh, fantastic of, 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 of CPAC. Uh, uh, so, look. of course, all of us at Right Wing Watch will be there on the ground, tweeting and uh, and doing uh, posts and clipping video and all. Oh, of good. That. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's wait till Nikki gets sure. here to talk more sure. about that. Um, yesterday, Donald uh, in this morning's uh, Washington Post that was released yesterday online, uh, Donald Trump getting perhaps a, another bit of unwelcome news from a woman by the name of Alva Johnson. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who claims uh, that back in 2016, when she was a paid campaign staffer for Donald Trump on the Florida campaign, right. uh, that at a uh, outside of a campaign rally there, they were together in an RV where he was signing posters. Um, she's a member of the staff there. He's leaving the RV, uh, and he takes her hand and then, without asking, reaches over and tries to plant a big wet kiss on her lips, Mm -hmm. which she didn't want uh, and didn't expect. She says, quotedly, I immediately felt violated because I wasn't expecting it or wanting it. I can still see his lips coming straight for my face. Uh, I I think given Donald Trump's history, we can say she's probably telling the truth. (laughs) She at least is a credible. (laughs) She has a credible story. Right. And um, she even told reporters that uh, uh, she felt motivated to come forward after the news broke uh, about the Billy Bush tape, the uh, mm-hmm. the Access Hollywood tape, in which you know Trump said all those terrible things, uh, and you know actually talked about this is a thing he does, you know goes in for the kiss. Um, like it's like a magnet, he says, you know, mm-hmm. and that when he sees beauty, it's like a magnet, and they let you do it because you're famous. He's famous. Mm-hmm. He said on the uh, tape, "quote I'm automatically attracted to beautiful women." I just start kissing them. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. Peter, did Sarah Huckabee Sanders say anything about this yesterday? She did, actually. She says it's absolutely uh, false and called it absurd on its face. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a denial? They say about everything. Is that a denial? (laughs) At least she didn't say it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Well, there you go. Usually that's her. (laughs) Right. But um, in the real world, she's telling the truth. What's going to happen? Nothing. I mean, that's, you know, first of all, nobody who was on the RV will talk about anything that they had seen. Um, Several of them Mm -hmm. are working on the 2020 Trump campaign. So that's not there's so 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 it's uncorroborated. Um, You know, I don't see anything happening with it in terms of legality, but it reinforces a narrative that we have about Trump that, you know, he just he just avails himself of any woman that he he feels entitled to to touch without permission. Uh, Always has. The the only difference with this one is that this is the first woman who has come forward with any such accusation from the time Donald Trump became a presidential candidate. This is true. This is true, yes. And we haven't heard anything yet about that kind of behavior in the White House. But, right. And and uh, and her coming her story coming forward now. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if others step forward with mm. similar um with with you know, having had similar experiences during that time. Right. And, and of course, nothing nothing would happen either if this same accusation had been made against let's say Cory Booker. I'm sure Republicans would say 
Oh, that's okay. You know, that's just. Oh, sure. That's yeah. that's just how they roll. Can you, ima- <laughs> can you imagine? imagine? Right. The- right. And we should note that I think the woman who made this accusation is African-American as well. Um, and that's, you know, kind of um, a first uh, in terms of what we know of the litany of, uh, you know, Trump's um, accusers of the crimes of this nature. Yeah, who, who, it, it's. We lose count, but it's over twenty, I believe. You know. Well, yeah, going for, further back, there certainly right. are, are women of color. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I mean, total inter- total of twenty some women, right? Or twenties. Right. Um, I want to come back to Cohen for a second because this is happening. In the in at the same time, there are all these rumors uh, and reports that Robert Mueller has finished his work and is just now writing up his final report. What do you? What do you hear over at Right Wing Watch? Is that the case? And I think it's a lot of reporters speculating, and their sources may very well be in the White House. <laughs> the White House has been pushing this narrative, right, uh, for a long time. I mean, Whitaker, For over a year, right, they've been saying, within, is, within days, it's right, all going to wrap up. Right. So I think really nobody knows. I think they've been really um, remarkably, a remarkably tight ship. Uh, the things we know about that investigation either came from Trump's side leaking or from uh, whatever was revealed in, um, you know, in indictments. So uh, I think that what we're seeing is uh, just a lot of people, you know, wanting, <laughs> wanting that next shoe to drop, whether it's the reporters or, you know, excited progressives. But we really just don't know. Well, what what I wonder is how can this thing just end? It seems that we're in the middle of a lot of things. For example, Manafort still has not gone to trial. That's right. Right. Neither is if there's going to be a trial about Rick Gates. Mm-hmm. We don't know how that's going to be resolved, whether he's still cooperating or not. Got the whole Roger they Stone just thing. Just indicted Roger yeah, Stone. Right. That's just getting started. Right. Right. right? Um, and and so. They can't just abruptly pull the plug on all of those things. Right? No. I, I mean, I just don't buy it that the report is ready to drop at any moment. They may, you know, have broad outlines of where they expect it to go, you know, but I don't think that um, I don't see as as you as you do. I, I see these things still unfolding and I don't see how a report could be imminent. Right. Um, if there were a report. Uh, what are the chances that the Department of Justice, um, which I assume William Barr, mm-hmm. will not want to release this report because right. Donald Trump will not want him to release this report? Right. What are the chances that the Department of Justice will be able to 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 squash it? I don't think it, I don't think they can. I really don't. I mean, first of all, we have to assume that. We're making the assumption that Bill Barr will still be the attorney general by oh. the time the report is released, right? Um, it's quite possible that he will not. I mean, this this president cycles through cabinet secretaries. I was say, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look at how many cabinet members are. I was thinking this morning, the only ones that are this original ones are still there. I think are Ben Carson, yeah. and Betsy DeVos, yeah. and Rick Perry. 
Is Alex Azar, is he a cabinet member? Well, but he didn't. He wasn't original. He wasn't an original. Right? I forgot who who it was that he replaced. I forget who was before him. Yeah. 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 Okay. But by the way, he's on his way out. Yeah. One would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, this is a guy who uh, seems to have given a sweet plea deal to um, a guy who preys uh, and traffics in young, uh, you know, underaged women. And, uh, and well, that's Alex Acosta. That's Acosta. <laughs> or, or Costa. Oh, that's Acosta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Alex, sorry. I just remembered no. Alex Azar. He's the guy that. How could we forget this? He's the guy that replaced Tom Price. Tom, Tom Price. Price. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. He's the HHS guy, but Acosta could Acosta. very well be on his way. Yeah. That's the one. I that's thought that's who I'm thinking of too. Acosta. And yeah. I apologize for right. for mixing up my Alexes. Um, <laughs> but yes, indeed. You know, I mean, it's hard to know. And again, Trump has given his total vote of confidence in Acosta despite these accusations. Right. But Congress is going to be calling that guy up there, and I think it's it'll be, it's just a matter of it's time. It's a matter of time. Okay. Yeah, right. well, well. So your point about William Barr may or may not, even though right. he was just confirmed last week, right. may, may not still be the attorney general is one thing. Uh, but also Congress has powers now which they're willing to exercise. Obviously, this is going to be a heck of a week. Democratic control. Right. That if, if Barr tries to keep the, um, the report um, hidden, right, uh, refuses to release it to Congress. I think they will have ways of getting it. I think that's right. I mean, you know, they, they, they ha- don't, don't they have to deliver it to um, to Congress at some point? They and do. Maybe in some redacted form. Yeah, yeah. But Peter made the point yesterday. Remember when the Ken Starr came out, Ken Starr report came out? I mean, it was published as a paperback. I by, know. I, I have know. it on my shelf. All right. There you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and it was a prurient document, It was. Too. It was a must-read yeah. document. Yeah. People, yeah. Was say, it was that before Fifty Shades of Grey, you had right. the Ken Starr report. But, you know, Congress has has all kinds of methods for getting this stuff out. I mean, there can be all kinds of hearings that, 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 that you know, corroborate uh, details that perhaps were not, um, were redacted or whatever. There can be leaks. Um, there, I just don't see any way to keep the whole deal secret. Um, no, and... Um and I think I, I think Robert Mueller would want it to come out too. I would think he you know he has to be a straight shooter. The American people have a right to know. Yeah, I don't know enough about how Mueller has, um, you know, has uh, dealt with um, uh, security concerns. What, he, what what some people are saying are national security concerns or privacy concerns in the past. Um, but it does seem like he's you know he seems to be all about. Um, the Constitution, <laughs> really. I mean, he really seems to be, he's an investigator, but he does seem to be a real, you know, by-the-book constitutionalist. Yeah. You know, um, something that's not necessarily your beat, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure where else we're going to get it in the program this morning, and I, def- I definitely want to mention uh, a stunning development out of Australia. Ah, yes. Um, and so this comes on the wake of the Pope summoning about 200 bishops mm-hmm. to the Vatican. They spend four days talking about this whole problem of, um, by the way, it's about time. Hello, right? right. Hello. Uh, I just checked. It was back in the late 1980s when word about priests preying on little boys, particularly sexual abuse, broke in Ireland. Um and then we wondered about about this. What about other parts of the world? What right. about this country? It was 2002 
that the Boston Globe broke the story of similar problems in the Boston right. diocese. So here we are, 2019, the Vatican finally addresses this issue, right? And they've ended up with four days, and the Pope is declaring all-out war against this practice, but came up with no specific no actions at all. At all. No, no rule book, no nothing. No. That not even the one thing that the victims were demanding, which is the, the church would say categorically that any priest who is found guilty of right. this will be immediately dismissed mm-hmm. or any priest who's accused of committing a crime right. like that would be turned over to law enforcement mm-hmm. authorities. They didn't even say that. They didn't say certainly that anybody who guilty of covering it up no. would be dismissed. No. No, no action following the they tough words ex- of the They use this excuse of local laws, or they'll comply with local law, they said. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. So in the wake of that, yesterday uh, in Australia... Uh, a jury reported, it was reported that uh, made public the findings of a grand, the equivalent of a grand jury in Australia, that the top cardinal down there, Cardinal George Pell, mm-hmm. who is 77 years old, who is a close advisor to Pope Francis, uh, yep. and in fact is the treasurer yep. of the Vatican. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the most powerful posts in the mm-hmm. Vatican. Guilty of sexual assault, sexual crimes committed against two young boys in uh, in Australia, uh, he's gone to prison. And yes. he's the most senior member of the Catholic clergy yet. So it just shows how widespread this practice is, even among you know, the most powerful people in the church. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and this crime uh, took place in the sacristy of the cathedral. Yes, right. I mean, you know... I was raised Catholic. I mean, to me, that just like says, sends a shudder, you know, up my spine to, to, to think about. I mean, it's a terrific crime to begin with. And in that setting, I, I mean, that's just so amazingly destructive in so many different ways. Um, and the fact that he was so close to the Pope, and you, we have to remember, uh, the Pope had a very rough uh, visit to Chile um, some months ago because he refused to take seriously allegations against a bishop in Chile who he was friendly with. So, uh, in fact, he said some nice things about that bishop. Right, right, yeah, right, right. So, uh, and I think the, cri- the, the crime with which that bishop was uh, alleged to have taken part was uh, in, in knowing about um, the situation and, and, and not having done anything to bring um, the perpetrators to justice. But nonetheless, I mean, this pope has just been had such a tenure, and I've always, you know, and a lot of progressives got mad at me about this. Uh, I looked at Francis, you know, everybody was talking about what a progressive he is when he first was, um, uh, you know, brought to the papal throne, and I didn't, I saw him, I see, you know, as a professional communicator myself, I see a really great public relations uh, personality and somebody who understands the dynamics of public relations. And he had a pretty good run for quite a while, especially riding the the climate and income inequality issues. But this one, uh, he just doesn't get it. No, this is one on which he does. I mean, on climate change, on income inequality, 10 strike. On this issue, he really has shown to have a a 10-year. Yeah. And... um, by the way, I was just—I was looking here because somewhere, and I read this morning, I couldn't find it. Um, that so we have had what, what's happening now in the country related to this is that from state after state after state, attorneys general 
have gone to the diocese right. or to the Catholic leadership and said, we need your records. Mm -hmm. We want to know how many people have been reported to you and you have investigated. These are, again, I keep coming back, these are crimes. They this are is not crimes. a matter for church. Right. This is a matter for law enforcement mm -hmm. authorities. Uh, the latest to come out is in Iowa, and they identified 38 priests in, in Iowa. Um, in, if we recall, it was a year or so ago, Pennsylvania. The, the big report out of Pennsylvania. Over 300 right. with some thousand victims. Mm -hmm. uh, New Jersey, 188. So we've seen diocese after diocese, state after state. In um, Illinois, it was something like. Um, um, this, this, the Catholic Church in Illinois identified, I think, maybe 200. And Lisa Madigan, the Attorney General from Illinois, said she thinks there's another 500 on wow. top of that that were not investigated or not reported. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just everywhere you turn, right? Um, and and I think the church has got to seriously address this, which but we thought so, they might in Rome, right. and they didn't. Well, it's such an opaque institution, and that that is why this kind of culture, you know, is allowed to propagate itself is the extreme secrecy of of the whole structure of the church from the local level all the way up, you know, to the to the very top and that, you know, there's countless jokes about Vatican secrecy. Uh and that's a culture that that really encourages this kind of thing where you have an elite a, a, a truly hierarchical elite um that has absolute power over its immediate jurisdiction, and uh, and everything's a secret. And related issues, uh, and I say this as raised a Catholic myself, mm -hmm. and having spent a good chunk of my life uh, studying for the priesthood. Oh my! Um, that um, that the the here's another area where I think Pope Francis has a blind spot is. Um, in refusing to recognize women, thank you, as equal members of the church and uh, and um, not second class citizens, and should be welcomed into the clergy, right? Welcomed into the priesthood. And I have to say, the more women you ordain, the fewer instances of sexual abuse you're going to have from well, the well, one priest. I mean, it's not that women never commit these crimes. No, but, right, but, but certainly they are less likely to abuse their power to prey on others. Right. So and what that say. and what that would do, just do is create, you know, it, but, it, it would diversify the culture in a in a sense where you bring new cultural values in a new mix and that could go a long way. But the other thing was with the income inequality, you know, I've been arguing for years Bill that if this pope really cared about income inequality, uh, he would empower women. The, the church would model the equality of women because once you have women empowered to, you know, make income, you actually lessen income inequality. Mm -hmm. No, very, very good argument. And, and we've seen in, you know, Protestant churches, in Judaism, you know, rabbis, I right. mean, the idea that women could not lead a flock, I mean, it's just Oh, it's absurd. absurd. It is absurd. And right. it's and it's painful. It's still painful for me to look at even though, you know, years later I'm not engaged with the Catholic Church anymore, but it's still my culture and it's my identity and it's my experience growing up. Uh and th so that would be that's one thing that this pope will not even look at. And the other, of course, is this age-old uh, mandate of celibacy for the Catholic priesthood, which is Oh come on! I mean, it's you know, it's historical. It is not 
doctrine. Right. It's a discipline. That's a right. Discipline that's been imposed mm-hmm. for the first ten centuries of the church. It was not required. No, until Even they wanted today, the, the the land. Yeah, <laughs> the no. land that the, that 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 various yeah, clergy the, held. The yeah. problem was that the yeah the clergy held this land, and right. then if they were married. Their wives would hold the land, right, and the church their said, no, we want that whatever, land right, back. Yeah. That's why they said, no, 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 you right. can't get married because we don't want any. Right. right. And and so, and uh, even today, among Catholics, it's only the Roman Catholic Church that mandates celibacy. The Eastern Church, mm-hmm. Eastern Catholic Churches they do They figured not. out a way to work it out, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? So it's just absurd. Well, of course and it is. And by the way, they're... There's such a shortage of priests worldwide. Hello, hello, yeah, right. right? I mean, come on. I, 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 you're absolutely right. It, it makes no sense, and and the truth is, <laughs> uh, that celibacy, the celibacy thing has always been a lie because human beings will find a way to have sex, and <laughs> I mean that's there's I think there's probably very very few people even who took vows of celibacy that they intended to keep that did not find themselves in some sort of a sexual situation at some point in the course of their lives. And so it's always been sort of a ruse, again, another wall of secrecy. Yeah, another, you're right, another lie, Mm -hmm. right, that the church has just um, perpetuated. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, we solved the problems of the Catholic Church. We solved the problems of the Catholic Church. Now when Nikki Schwab joins us, we'll solve (laughs) the problems of the White House uh, and the American political system and... The summit in North Korea. Oh I don't know my. what else. <laughs> so Adele Stan stays with us here as a friend of Bill. Nikki Schwab from the New York Post joins us, covers the White House for Washington and the Congress for the New York Post. Uh, joins us next. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, you bet it is the Bill Press Show live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters, the good men and women of those firefighters' unions. We, the, you know, you see them rolling by on the way to the fire. Just give them a big salute. Thank them for the great work. They're on the front lines protecting American families every single day. Never let us down. Under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger, and you can check out their website at iaff.org. And here in studio, Adele Stan from Right Wing Watch joining us as a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Adele, again, thank you. Great to be and with now you. we are joined at the table. Nikki Schwab covers Washington and anything happening here in Washington at the White House or at the Congress for the New York Post. And hello, Nikki. It's good to see good you. Good morning, guys. How's right, it going? Now here's what I've been trying to figure out. Uh, Donald Trump is out of the country. Mike <laughs> Pence is out of the country. Is Nancy Pelosi the president? <laughs> I, 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 think, I think you would like you would like for that to happen. But, uh. Is that the way it works? I'm not sure. I do. Right? She's, she is third. I in mean, command, in California, but... I remember when I was working with Jerry Brown. If the governor went out of town, the lieutenant governor was was in charge. Was right? in charge. Yeah. 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 Not doesn't work the same way. I don't think it quite works the same way, especially in this sort of global world where we can, you know, there's telecommunications. I thought it was going to be queen for a week. Yeah. 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 Oh, all right. Too bad. Okay. Uh, Nikki, the big event of this week. Well, we got the summit in in Hanoi, but, you know, that's not (laughs) as big a deal as CPAC. CPAC. Meeting. What can we expect? So this is the Conservative Political Action Committee. Conference. 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 Once a year. Once a year. And it's sort of the biggest, uh, I mean, the left doesn't really have this. So it's no. like the biggest right. sort of gathering of conservatives uh, every year on the right. And it's, and it's sort of a must appearance for any conservative who is planning on 
running for anything. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, right? I mean, you, you, you think back, Trump, and I remember whenever he was sort of this like sideshow character yes, right. at yes. the CPACs of the right? past, but he started showing up in 2011. And that was sort of where, whenever I first sort of realized that he could be sort of a force on the right. And so every year he sort of got more and more uh, attention and so 2011, respect. he's a developer. Because he talked about running for president. Mm-hmm. Florida, yeah. But still, he for was many a, years. a businessman who was on the agenda for CPAC. Yeah. yeah. And he showed up and um, I, I had to sort of look up the sort of the history of Trump at CPAC, but he got booed. Yes. He and, wasn't conservative enough. And know. why And why did he, he get booed? Because he said that Ron Paul didn't have a chance of winning the presidency. Oh, like that's where I CPAC was at that, that point. Nikki, right. It was sort of the people that were more like, you know, the Romney Republicans and it was the libertarians. It was a very strong which was, libertarian. Of course, Ron Paul flavor. And, and that was sort of, you know, inherited by Rand, Rand Paul. Paul right. I um, remember the uh, straw polls that they had at CPAC. Ron Paul would always it. always. <laughs> yes. Always. always. And then Rand Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and you don't even really see that 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 sort of ideology necessarily at, at CPAC anymore, at least to the extent that it, it used to be. It, the whole conference seems to have gotten really Trumpified. Well, it is. The, you know, the roster of speakers. And this year's is going to be really just a Trump uh, campaign event, pretty well, much. So you're going to be there, Nikki. You're going to be I'm there too. Yeah. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you doing there? Well, I... Will you have bodyguards? <laughs> no, they know me. You know, I've been there probably every year for the last 10 years yeah. or something like that. Um, yeah, no, Right Wing Watch, you know, we show up. Um, uh, I have um, I, I have a column at the American Prospect. I always write columns uh, from CPAC. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, I will be covering... Uh, it's a big Right Wing confab. I've got to be there. Right, so the agenda this year is what? This is not a presidential year, so it's... Uh, no, it uh, is. Uh, well, it is. It's, it's definitely like the warm-up act. And um, I was on the phone with some of the uh, organizers of CPAC yesterday, and it was sort of interesting what they were saying about what they wanted to sort of get across because they consider CPAC to be sort of the airing out of ideas. Mm-hmm. And they want to show this contrast uh, and, and sort of contrast. show— uh, against, you know, the sort of 2020 Democrats and oh. also AOC's Green New Deal. I mean, it's sort of interesting that in a planning call, we're talking about the Green New Deal and about how, you know, they consider the Democrats going so far left to be a gift to them politically. Right. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to be the case, uh, you know, obviously going forward. But they're sort of, you know, they're sort of setting the table that's for right. how they think, you know, Republicans and President Trump should run against these Democrats in the next election. A cycle. lot of a lot of message framing about socialism mm-hmm. and Marxism around yep. all of that. Yeah. And who are the uh, who are the big stars that were? Uh, so I guess Larry Hogan's going to be the keynote speaker. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> what it was interesting. I mean, we didn't know. I, I've been sort of tracking what you know Trump was doing, obviously, because he's in Vietnam right now. Right. Uh, and and they didn't give me the sort of green light to report that Trump was coming until you know. Day yesterday, wow. and this is even after they had just done a call with reporters where I'd ask again about mm. whether or not Trump was coming, and then I get a call being like, "All right, go ahead and report it." Uh, but because you know the, the White House, because of this, you know uh, the Kim Jong Un summit, they've been sort of cagey about you know where the president is going to be gonna and be, when sure. and, and how long it's going to take him to get back to the U.S. And so it does sound like he'll you know make it before. Uh, CPAC ends, which is sort of mid mid afternoon on Saturday. But you know, Nikki, it did seem to me that the electeds came on late in 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 being added to the 
uh, CPAC roster this year. I, like the people for in Congress, right? Because there, there, there I mean, aren't that many. No, and last and as late as last week, it was like I think the only senator was um, was uh, uh, Mike Lee. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you know, and it's the heads of the the Freedom Caucus. So you got Meadows and mm-hmm. um, Jim Jordan mm-hmm. yeah. are coming. Uh, but Lindsey Graham is also I coming, know, which is gonna sort be of kind of weird <laughs> because he was not, you know, he was not a CPAC Republican. Like, he oh boy, he's he become one. He and John McCain would have never, you know, oh yeah, but up now, that. but now he's totally, yeah, right. Well, I mean, you know, post Kavanaugh, now, right. he, now that now yeah. CPAC, that those out well people are are his base, <laughs> where mm-hmm. they were never really right. his base before. All right, what what days is it? What it's so they do like a training, like a boot camp on Wednesday, but it, it truly kicks off. Thursday, Friday, and then uh, Saturday. Half a Saturday, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And Donald Trump probably on Saturday. You I, think? I would think that that would be the. I mean, just I can't imagine just it. in how yeah, long right. it takes Air Force One to travel uh, mm-hmm. that distance. I mean, President Trump left yesterday at like two p.m. and he's yeah. going to get into Hanoi, you know, in the next like hour or two. Wow. Next yeah. hour. Right. Uh, to his hotel, so yeah, you know it's a pretty it's a pretty long distance. All right, breaking news about CPAC. I don't know whether it's been reported yet. Who will also be on the agenda in CPAC for the very first time? I saw that your name was on the agenda. There you yeah. go. I noticed yeah. that too. <laughs> you, like, you and Van Jones, I think, are the only quote known liberals that yes. are uh, that are showing up this year, as far as I saw. I, I had a couple of texts from people who saw the schedule yesterday and where they were freaking out <laughs> because they saw you were going to be there. Oh, yeah. You better tend to your base, Bill. I I don't know why I agreed to do this other than just for laughs, right? But it's a political panel. Yeah. Who are Uh, you with? Charlie Hurt. Okay. Who um, is is a neighbor, lives right over here. Nice. um, And used to cover the White House for the New York Post. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Actually. Good people. That's when I first (laughs) met him. And then he went to work for Drudge, and he does Fox. He's on the panel. I don't know who Matt Schlapp is. The yeah, head of the American the Conservative uh, Union mm-hmm. right, holds the right. event. Um, so I I'll say this about CPAC, by the way, they have great parties. Oh, so having crashed. A well, well, in the parties. libertarian days. So I I, 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 I ask around about the parties, <laughs> and um, the only one that I actually have like firmed up of happening is uh, Turning Point USA, which is you know sort of the young. College age, right? Uh, I don't even old enough to drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it gonna be a kegger? So once, I mean, once they card everybody, then I'm sure it'll be fun. <laughs> right, 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 right. But but you know, the days of Breitbart having That's this. Right. I mean, they yeah. had you know these storied parties, mm-hmm. uh, either at the Breitbart Mansion or you know whenever Trump was first elected, they had it on a boat that was like tethered to the. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, the, sort of the joke was that people didn't want to be stuck on a boat with Steve. Bain. Bannon. But <laughs> but that's I mean that's that's not really what happened. I think I think they just realized that like you know as far as people getting there and the logistics of actually having everyone sail away into the Potomac didn't really make sense. So they just kept the boat docked and you could you know come and go as you pleased. I'm so sorry I missed that one. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. They had you know the food sure. was good. They had a, a roasted pig. It was a luau themed. You know libertarians party. always threw their best parties. They always had the hard liquor and the good food and. Cigars. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to going over there and defending the Green New Deal. Yeah. Getting drunk. Uh, That should be fun. (laughs) Maybe I should get drunk before the panel. I did see there was a mimosa brunch that was like advertised on the schedule. So I think you should probably get in on that. On the (laughs) mimosa. 
Maybe that's for Saturday morning. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, Just we'll, in time for Trump's speech. All right. Well, we'll listen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll all be together at CPAC. It, hey, we'll have to have a reunion. Yeah. Are they polite? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I mean, I'm always sort of there as a as a reporter that, you know, doesn't have a left wing bent. I've, you know, mostly worked for right of center publications. So I clearly have never had any trouble sort of with, you know, the participants and interviewing people. But I mean, obviously, Trump has sort of heightened this whole sort of fake news and, you know, the media sucks, uh, you know, ideology. But even even so, you know, I mean, last year, Caleb and Karma of um, Mediaite got into a little bit of a fracas with Sebastian Gorka in the hallway. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, it it just depends on who you run across. (laughs) Peter, maybe you want to go with me. Maybe I need a... You need some muscle? (laughs) I got you, buddy. I got you. Um, So I'm sure the Green New Deal is going to come up. I talked to one of the organizers last night about that in terms of topics we're going to discuss on the panel. Um... And um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of the sponsors and lead sponsors of the Green New Deal, also now coming under attack, as you've been reporting, because of where she's living in Washington. Oh, yes. The great so, saga of AOC's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, there's sort of multi- so what's the there's multiple here? levels to this. So if you recall, when she got first elected to Congress, um, she was concerned about basically having to pay rent in both New York City and right. Washington, D.C., which, you know. And she was excoriated for expressing that. Too. Yes. 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 Um, which, you know, I mean, I live in D.C. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. I have friends who live in New York. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have an income yet, right. it's By the going way, to be yeah. hard yeah. to sort of make that work. If you're a bartender <laughs> and you have to have two expensive apartments. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a stretch. Um, but sort of since then, she's moved into uh, what you could, could pretty much like, like a luxury apartment at Navy Yard, which is, you know, a sort of up and coming area. You could, you know, point and say, like, look at how horribly this has been gentrified. Right. That sort of situation. Um, and, and, you know, she, you know, she sort of argued that, like, it's close to work. It's with walking and it's within walking distance. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all, uh, obviously the sort of safety aspect for her as well, because she has become uh, a target, mm-hmm, at, right. both, you know, rhetorically. And you had this guy, Christopher Son, who literally had her on a list of targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Coast Guard. Duh. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, and she sort of used that to sort of counter um, any sort of media criticism of the fact that. Where the, is the criticism coming from? Well, she she thinks that I think us reporting on it means that it's it's being it's critical. Um, But I mean, I I'm not going to sort of argue either side here. But I also think that, like, if you're bringing up this whole idea of, you know, income inequality and, uh, you know, fair housing prices and, and that kind of stuff. I've heard other Democrats complain that optically it does not look good that she's in a, you know, brand new building, uh, you know, with a Whole Foods nearby and, you know, a swimming pool and a beautiful gym because that just doesn't look good as a a politician. Right. But to which I would say a total B. I mean, By the way. I'm I'm not going to argue either and side. And I'm sure but... that I'm sure the rent that she's paying is probably around the same as you would pay for a walk up on Capitol Hill. You know, correct. And, right? and you've got the added security. Right. So I think right. I think that she can. I, I saw the prices can... in your story for um, what the thousand dollars for a uh, uh, for a stu- two thousand for a studio, um, five thousand for a bedroom. That's like pretty. That's pretty average. This building across the street is double that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Double that. Yeah. Right. 
So I mean, I didn't, I didn't ever think the rent prices were too outrageous. uh, Navy Yard, I would say probably, I don't want to exaggerate here, but maybe half the members of Congress live in Navy Yard. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it is certainly there are hundreds who live in Navy Yard. I could show you one building down there where. They call it the dorm because there's so many, <laughs> really? yeah. there's so many <laughs> yeah. members of Congress who live in that building, by the way, which that may be the building. I don't know the building you're talking about. Yeah. It's right almost alongside of Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so that's it. And it's walking distance to, to, to Congress. Yeah. And, you know, personally, uh, I, I think it's not an, it's a non-issue. So, and I certainly think it's better than sleeping in their office, which, oh, uh, which all the Republicans were doing right. to like, sort of make a, a point. Yeah, and why were they doing it? They were doing it because a lot of them couldn't afford to have yeah. two homes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the, the examiner, though, sort of broke the whole story that there was no, um, basically, units for low-income people in that building. Now, my own reporting... Uh, determined that that is actually not quite the case. This was a development that had a deal with D.C. that they then pulled out of and moved those units to another building that they were building. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead, when I talked to the developer, they basically said, listen, like, yes, you know, well, they wouldn't even actually confirm that they had had pulled out of this deal. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, well documented in in publications around town. But uh, they do use those, those housing vouchers so there are indeed low-income residents that live in her building. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they had taken in people from, you know, there was that giant fire. Uh, right, in, the in Maryland, yard. yeah. Well, oh, in the, in the Navy, in the Navy yard. yard area. Oh, and okay. so that building had actually brought in some of those residents for, you, you know, they had open units mm-hmm. and, and put some of those people there as well. So they sort of pointed to, like, hey, we've, we've been a good neighbor. Sure, you know, they're not these, you know, designated uh, housing units uh, for low-income people, but you know we do have low-income people in her building. So that line of attack seems a little bit moot mm-hmm. uh, when you sort of know the full the full flavor of the building, Got if it. you will. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, it reminds me of the Bernie Sanders story today, which I <laughs> pledged I was not going to talk about, but it pisses me off so much uh, that Politico reports mm-hmm. where some ex Clinton staffers are um, now saying that Bernie is a phony on climate change because when he was campaigning for Hillary Clinton in 2016, mm-hmm. on a few occasions he asked for the for them to... Uh, to a charter. To, to charter a private a plane, plane. for To him. get a private plane for mm-hmm. him, right? Yeah. Either from a donor or right. to charter. I've right. actually flown private with Bernie Sanders before. So, yeah. And I, I would say that it was like not like super over the top, like, you know... But, I mean, the idea that you ask him to travel, fly all around the country right. and go everywhere you want for right. all these events as a surrogate right. for Hillary Clinton, which he did willingly and enthusiastically, his message was very, very clear. You can't vote for Trump. you got to vote for Hillary. I know you supported me. you got to vote for her. And then and now to come around some of these staffers, not Hillary herself, and say, yeah, but how dare he want to fly on a private plane? I mean, they burned I, him. On that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Sorry. I couldn't resist. But uh, um, if, you, if we could come back. Michael Briggs, his his former press secretary, I thought, just summed it up yesterday with, with his comment on these who these staffers are. Uh, yeah, I'm just pulling up his statement yeah. really quickly because he did go on the record and mm-hmm. talk about it yesterday. And he said, quote, you could see why she's one of the most disliked politicians in America. She's not nice. Her people are not nice. 
Bernie Sanders busted his tail to fly all over the country to talk about why it made sense to elect Hillary Clinton. And and the thanks that we get is this kind of petty, stupid sniping a couple of years after the fact. It doesn't make me feel good to feel this way, but they are some of the biggest a-holes in American <laughs> politics, end quote. I would just point out that every, it was his his comments I, were unedited. By the by way, way. <laughs> I don't I don't think that um, um, I I I believe that Hillary Clinton knew nothing about this staffers coming out and saying this yesterday. I'm, well, I yeah, I want to believe I, that I want to believe that, and I do believe it. But I did point out that anywhere she goes to give a, bit, a big speech in this country, she's not flying commercial. When Joe Biden goes around and gets two hundred thousand dollars to give, a, he's not flying commercial. Well, right? I think it's sort of the same thing. It's it's both. A necessity in a way and also security i mean this is sort of goes back to aoc's apartment i mean sometimes it's a little yeah. bit easier if you're in a more secured situation and that would be flying private whenever you're at that caliber of politics so i mean to, to the extent that this is this is gets so silly is that uh, last night tucker carlson actually said that bernie sanders should have walked <laughs> to vermont don't take a plane to vermont if you believe in climate change you never take a plane i mean that's just so absurd yeah, it's it's kind of not, but the, but the but the statement that that Peter just read. I mean, I'm sorry, the use of the word nice like that. I mean, she's not nice. Oh, she's a girl. She has to be nice. I mean, it it just it's just really the tone deafness that the Bernie Sanders people have displayed all the way along. I I find it all in that statement as well. I'm not saying that the the accusation against him, you know, bears merit, but that response is so typical of I mean, I think it's fair to say Bernie Sanders is not nice and his staff people are not nice on the campaign either because Based it's a what? campaign. <laughs> oh, I what? mean, look at the sour grapes um a statement uh, he made during the campaign when he failed to get the Planned Parenthood endorsement. Oh, well, they're just an establishment organization. Meanwhile, <laughs> I mean, you know, clinic escorts were on the front lines every day running the gauntlets of right-wing people trying to, you know, accost uh, uh, patients. So, so I, you know, yeah, that was, that was a silly thing for Hillary Clinton staffers to say. But the response back, I mean, focus on Clinton herself, which I think is really not fair. And it just re-ups his kind of, you know, this kind of notion that Bernie doesn't care about women. The Bernie bro uh, Yeah, saga. the Bernie, yeah. Um, Bernie was asked yesterday about um, the, b- b- by the way, I, I, I fundamentally disagree with you on <laughs> I <that>. can tell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and yeah, I, and I said earlier, by the way, that the where I would only disagree with Michael Briggs is this: uh, what he said about his staffers, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think tying it to Hillary herself, right? I, I don't think is well. That's bad where I, because, I take my uh, but um, take yeah, we don't need to go into that because I, I I wanted to ask about something else which is happening, which is very very important, and that is it's t- taken this long for the Congress, and they're going to be voting on it. Uh, I think today, John Stewart was on the Hill yesterday. Oh yes, on this victims' compensation fund. Mm-hmm. So as we remember, these are the, the, the these are the people the, the people who cleaned up the nine eleven right. site and have suffered serious serious medical consequences mm-hmm. because of that. And there's been legislation pending since two thousand and one right. to make sure that they get federal help to pay for their medical expenses and and, and for their families and everything. Uh, John Stewart yesterday saying the fact that we haven't done this yet. They fought every step of the way. 
and it is an embarrassment to us and our country. Uh, so Congressman Jerry Nadler uh, and, and Congressman Pete King, it's been a bipartisan effort to yeah. try to get this legislation done. Jerry Nadler with John Stewart yesterday uh, saying, looks like finally this is the time. We should finally get the job done right, and we should get the job done now. And Jerry Nadler points out this would might not have happened if some people at the time had not actually lied to these workers. Had it not been for the federal government and the mayor of the city of New York, Rudy Giuliani, yeah. telling everybody the air was safe to breathe and they could work on the pile and don't worry about it. I remember that. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. The mayor said, yeah, just go down there. You know, don't mm -hmm. worry. Don't worry. Right? right. They just wanted the volunteers. I, I was looking at stats for uh, New York City, like police or New York State yeah. police deaths this year. And it's still like, you know, I mean, we're talking about just it's like all 9-11 related. Wow. Maybe a big chunk of the yeah, cops who lung have died. diseases yeah. and everything that have happened because of this. So finally, I think Congress will do the right thing and pass this this year. Yeah. So. Well, I'll see you at CPAC, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a mimosa. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki Schwab from New York Post, newyorkpost.com, and rightwingwatch.org.